Hi, my name is Ure, and I will be doing the second Bible reading for this week from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 to chapter 5, verse 10. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, and who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. This is the word of God. Hi, my name's John, and we're going to look at this wonderful passage in 2 Corinthians today. Hope you enjoyed last week with Peter Adam enriching our prayers and relationship with God. Well, we are looking at 2 Corinthians, and today our eyes and our hearts will be lifted up so that we might be captured by that vision of eternity. But as we begin, let's join our hearts in prayer. Heavenly Father, we know that you have placed that sense of eternity upon all our hearts. Help us see today what you have prepared us for and what you have prepared for us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, have you ever had a conversation or a moment or a thought, Oh dear, I'm getting old. It was only last year I was having a chat with one of the doctors from our church who said something along the lines, If you don't do enough cardio exercise, that is running, you might die from heart disease. And if you don't do enough resistance exercise, you might die from cancer. And the message was pretty clear. One day you'll die. In fact, I've been told we peak at about 25 years of age and it is downhill from there. Our brain starts to shrink from 25. Our handshake gets softer at 30 and our memory starts to slip at 40. And what happens at 50 and 60? Well, I'll soon find out. And there was this article recently in the Times. Have you got COVID face? How we age five years in six months. And already I see in my own body. When I do gardening now, I get a bit of back pain. I never used to get back pain. And Yvonne, she's always laughing at my expense, at my receding hairline. But of course, more seriously, we are all ageing, getting older every single day. And I don't say this insensitively. With ageing comes bodies that will get more and more frail and weaker. And with ageing also comes experiences in life. And of course, there are joys and many things to celebrate in life. 
but there are also more heartache and more disappointments and more painful experiences. And so how do we grow old with grace? It might sound strange to the younger folks, but, but I'm serious. How do we grow older each year with grace? Whether you're a teenager or a young adult or middle age or older, how do we persevere with hope? How can we live so that we do not fear, nor do we avoid thinking about what lies ahead? Well, this passage, this word of God is for us, whether you're young or old. Because one day, just like that, what that doctor said to me, our time on earth will come to an end. So how do we grow old with grace and not lose heart? You see, when we consider not just our bodies getting older, but the vast spectrum of life's difficulties, an illness that is debilitating, a heartache that's excruciating, a burden that seems so heavy, a life that feels unbearable. It makes it so difficult to grow old gracefully. There are thousands of reasons to, to just give up, to lose heart, to give in, to throw in the towel. One of the tragedies, one of the great tragedies, in fact, of our current crisis is not just the virus itself, but the increase in mental health issues. A study done by Sydney University forecasts that suicides will increase 13.7%. That is tragic. And so in view of how difficult life may be, Paul's first point here is what we all need to hear, and that is, we do not lose heart because of the eternal glory. Paul is giving us the perspective of eternity. He's trying to capture us by the visions of eternity. And what I love about this passage is that it is so realistic. Paul does not shy away from all the hardships of life. In fact, Paul speaks of our bodies as being destroyed. He uses the same word of how moths destroy clothes or rust destroy metal. And that's the reality, whether we like it or not. No amount of makeup or moisturizer or exercise can stop the wrinkles or can stop time or stop our bodies from getting older. We are all growing older and our bodies won't last forever. But though that is happening on the outside, Paul says, on the inside, our inner person, that is the heart of our being, our spiritual person. You see, we're simply not just atoms and matter, and when we die, we just disappear. But there's a spiritual dimension to all of us. And those of us who know Jesus and trust him, our inner person is being renewed and renovated by the Spirit of God in preparation for the age to come, in preparation for eternity. You see, inside there's a vitality and vibrancy of life. Even though the outer person is going downhill, the inner person is going uphill. And that's what we see in verse 16. Have a look. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly, we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And it's just as John Calvin once said, Our decay is visible, but the renovation that is happening inside is invisible. One of the tougher jobs I have as a pastor, 
But also one of the great privileges I have is that I get to minister to those who are nearing the end of their life on earth. And it is never easy. Certainly not a walk in the park, visiting elderly members in hospital, seeing how their bodies have changed and become so weak and so frail. But yet time and time again, I see verse 16 at work in those who know Jesus. Last year, Yvonne and myself, we visited one of our beloved members who has gone to glory. We we went to see her in hospital. She was sitting on the wheelchair waiting for her next scan with drips coming out of her arms. Her, Her body looked so weak. And we shared this passage with her because it was what we were seeing in her. Her body was wasting away. The cancer was spreading. But yet there was a vibrancy and a vitality in her life. That's verse 16. Her inner person was being renewed day by day in preparation for eternity. But what's also true for those who trust Jesus is verse 17. It is being captured by by visions of eternity. It places our current pains and difficulties in its proper perspective. Have a look at verse 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. You see, Paul is trying to get us to be captured by visions of eternity without that eternal perspective of our life in perfect joy and love and glory in the very presence of God forever, without knowing that that will be ours, then we can be so easily overwhelmed by the things in this world, by diseases and cancers and COVID and whatever else we might experience. But notice the stark contrast we see here. It is light and momentary. You see, it's a play on words here. Our sufferings are are said to be light as opposed to what is heavy and weighty and significant. That's the word glory. And our sufferings are momentary as opposed to what is eternal. It it might sound a bit far-fetched, even offensive to read the words of verse 17. For anyone to even think the types of suffering we see in the world as light and momentary, the baby born with congenital disabilities, the child who gets leukemia, the tragic accident that leaves a man blind, the broken marriage that leaves a family divided, and then you've got the unspeakable tragedies we see in our world. How could anyone in their right mind call it light and momentary? Are you for real? And some of you have experienced surgeries after surgeries after surgeries. Some of you have experienced pains that words cannot even express. But yet for those whose life belongs to Jesus, it is indeed light and momentary compared to eternity. I mean, I just find that so difficult to even try to fathom. But let's try to conceptualize it a bit. What's 90 years on earth compared to 900 years in heaven? That's about 10%. What about 90 years on earth compared to 9,000 years in heaven? Well, that's 1%. What's 90 years on earth compared to 90,000 years in heaven? That's 0.1%. Well, you see, you get the picture. Compared to eternity, it is but a blip. 
In fact, I remember once being told or trying to imagine what heaven might be like. One second, just one second in the very presence of God with the glory that will be ours because of Jesus. One second, it will make all our joys and happiness here on earth appear childish. And even whatever we might experience on earth, even if it is lifelong, one day in heaven, even you will see how your experiences now are only light and momentary. And that's why Paul goes on to say, fix our eyes on what is lasting. And what's lasting? The, the things that are lasting are not the stuff we can see and touch and smell and taste and hear, but they are the things that require the eyes of faith to see, such as the love of God for me. I need faith to see that such as the finished work of Christ on the cross for my salvation, such as the ongoing work of the Spirit of God in my heart, or such as the life of glory that awaits me. And so we see that in verse 18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so how do we grow old, year by year, with grace, and not lose heart? Well, we do not lose heart because of that eternal glory, captured by that vision of eternity. And so what does life mean for us now? Well, it means we long for that resurrection life. We look forward to that, and we walk by faith now. And the picture that Paul paints here next is that our lives as being in a temporary earthly tent. Now, a tent, you know, it's flimsy, fragile, vulnerable. I've only stayed in a tent a few times in my life. At our youth camp about nine years ago when I first started here, at our youth camp, the the tent collapsed on me on one of the nights. And so after that, I wasn't too excited about staying in a tent. But then about four years ago, we purchased a tent for our church camp. It's the only time we've used that tent. Pretty much brand new still in our garage. Give me a five-star hotel or a tent, I'll take the hotel any day. And in a sense, that, that is what Paul is trying to get us to see. Our bodies now are temporary. It's like a tent. It won't last. But there is an eternal heavenly building, one that is built by God. A body that is fit for heaven. One that is not flimsy or fragile and will never decay. And that's what we see, chapter 5, verse 1. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Now this is speaking of the resurrection body. One that will not experience the ravages of this life. No cancer, no diseases, no decay, no breaking down, no mental health issues. It is a building that will last forever. It's no wonder why Paul speaks of us groaning now as we long for that resurrection body. And so in a sense, it doesn't matter how many wrinkles we get now. It doesn't matter at all. Or more seriously, it doesn't matter what frailties or weaknesses or even disabilities we might have now. We will be made new. 
And so that's what we see, verse 4. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up, up by life. And so instead of the grave or death swallowing us up, the image here is reversed. It is life swallowing up what is mortal. And again, I think for many of us, we might find this hard to imagine. I mean, what does it look like? What will it mean, this resurrection body? Well, what it at least means is that we won't be disembodied spirits floating around in the clouds playing harps, but we'll be physical beings with a physical existence, a body fit for heaven. And my kids have asked me in the past, so in heaven will you be young, will you be a child or middle age or old? I'm not sure, but I'd rather be there. That's my answer. But how can you ever know with any certainty that death will be swallowed up by life? That what is promised here is not just wishful thinking, well, we can know it theologically and objectively as we read of what God has promised. God tells us so, so we believe it. We can know it objectively. But we can also know it subjectively by the Spirit of God who dwells in us, the deposit guaranteeing what is ours already. Look at verse 5. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So how do we live now in light of all of that? Well, we long. We long. This life is not all there is. We long for that resurrection life. Which also means we live by faith and not by sight. We live with our eyes fixed not on what is seen but on what is unseen. We live captured by visions of eternity. Which means I live my life not just focusing on how my life will be in this world. Not just focusing on getting through this pandemic or getting life back to some normality. But with my eyes of faith, I remember my home is heaven with God. And as Bonhoeffer once said, once we know of heaven, we are homesick for it. Look at verse 6. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. And so we cannot forget that vision of eternity. Now I wonder whether that's how you feel about your life now. Do you have that longing, that sense of being homesick for heaven? I remember at a men's convention only a few years ago that the speaker said, I don't mind getting old because it is a year closer to heaven. And I still remember being a bit shocked by that comment. But yet it is so true. Growing old gracefully with hope and of course living by faith and that's verse 7 we live by faith not by sight now if we don't feel that way the way Paul feels about that vision of eternity what do you think that means well it perhaps means we don't yet grasp how glorious 
how beyond words, how beyond anything we can imagine what it will be like to stand in the presence of God. Or perhaps it might just mean we have yet to suffer enough. But the Apostle Paul, who has suffered, shipwrecked, robbed, beaten, left for dead, he was hoping to go home. And that's why he said in verse 8, We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body, that is, to be dead and at home with the Lord. And that is why for those who have died in faith, we can honestly say they have been promoted to glory. We never say insincerely or tritely, those who die in faith have indeed gone to a better place. The other week I I did speak to another member of our church, an elderly member. Every time I've spoken with her, she has always shown this vibrancy in her faith as she shared of her life and what she's going through. She's growing old gracefully. And she's got this wonderful tagline that I love. She, She said to me just the other week, We know where we are going, we just don't know when. Isn't that wonderful? Well, that is to live by faith. But it doesn't mean we live hanging around just waiting to die. Not at all. The life we live now, we live to please God. We don't waste it away. Which will make us all think, every single one of us, are the things that fill up my days pleasing to God? Is there any eternal significance in the things I commit my life, my efforts, my ambitions, my energy to? Because in the end, we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we'll all have to give account. And for the Christian, it's not a a judgment of condemnation because we have already passed from death to life, but it will be a judgment of commendation. Did I live my life to please my God? And that's what we see in our final verses, 9 to 10. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And so how do we grow old gracefully? We do not lose heart because of that eternal glory. And so we long for the resurrection life and we live by faith and not by sight. And so was that doctor right? Well, unless Jesus returns first, he's absolutely right. One day my time will come, just as one day yours will as well. In our household, we're not afraid to talk about death and talk about death with our kids. And Yvonne and myself, we would often semi-joke about who would die first. She would say, she'd rather die first, and I would say, no, I'd rather die first. Now, of course, it's not because we can't stand each other, our marriage is going fine. But we long for that rest that eternal rest when life just feels weary. We long to see how our current momentary troubles will be transformed into an eternal weight of glory. We long to be in the presence of our Lord and Saviour. But while God gives us breath to live, we don't give up. We press on. God has given us work to do to please him, 
children to disciple, people to love, the gospel to proclaim, a light to shine, a mission to pursue. And so are you growing old gracefully? Whether you're a teenager, young adult, middle age, are you growing old year by year gracefully? Are your eyes fixed on what is unseen and eternal? Have you been captured by visions of eternity? You see, if you are feeling down at the moment, you're not feeling too good, you're in the pits, well, be captured by that vision again. If you're feeling like you want to give up and you just can't be bothered with life, be captured by that vision again. If you're finding life a bit mundane, be captured by that vision again. Because one day, what will the picture look like? Well, imagine this. In the very presence of God, with the great multitude of believers from every tribe and tongue, from every generation, delighting in God, enjoying a fellowship with one another with inexpressible joy, we will be able to, at that point, look back on life now, the pain now, that failure, that lifelong illness, that terrible experience, that season of tears, that year of heartache, and you will be able to say, it was only light and momentary, which has helped me appreciate all the more the eternal weight of glory now. And even trying to imagine that, it's only a pale, pale picture of what it will really be. But now while we have breath, while we, we are still in this tent, we do not give up. We press on. We please God in all we do. And we live with that wonderful tagline. We know where we are going. We just don't know when. Well, let me now end in prayer. A prayer I learned from John Bailey about having our eyes captured by that vision of eternity. Let's pray. Eternal God, although we cannot see you with our eyes or touch you with our hands, Give us today a clear conviction of your reality and power. Do not let us go into our work, into our day, believing only in, in the world of sense and time. But give us grace to understand that the world we cannot see or touch is the most real world of all. Our lives today will be lived in time, but it will involve eternal issues. The needs of our bodies will shout out, but it is for the needs of our souls that we must care the most. Our business will be in material things, but let us be aware of spiritual things behind them. Let us always keep in mind that the things that matter are not money or possessions, not houses or property, not bodily comforts or pleasures, but truth and honour and gentleness and helpfulness, and a pure love of you. Make us wise today to see all things within the dimension of eternity, and make us brave to face all the changes in our lives that come from this vision, through the grace of Christ our Saviour. Amen.